Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with you on today's edition of RCST. I'll be flying solo today. Nick is out at the Liberty Bowl getting his hotel canceled and uh, getting his trip canceled and things not going to plan out there. But Nick, if you're listening, I I hope you're doing okay. And I hope that uh, you have found a place to stay and you're not just sleeping outside. Um, That has become kind of a train wreck for Memphis. And uh, I I know a lot of fans who are headed down to the area are dealing with it, whether it's been hotels being canceled or having to bring your own water with a bunch of water bottles. Uh, basically, water is not working in downtown Memphis right now at a lot of different places. So much so that um, I'm sure it was probably a mess for the Kansas football team with, like, you know, not having water for a bit. Now, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they fixed it from where it was yesterday. It sounds like the Liberty Bowl is going to go off without a hitch. I did have questions when I saw some of this stuff. Like, is that okay for, like, a public stadium to not have running water don't they have to have water for bathrooms and for fans and for the players to drink water but i guess everything's gonna be okay so sounds like everything gonna go off without a hitch pregame will be at three tomorrow kickoff will be at 4 30 we've got a hawk talk tonight after rcst six o'clock it's gonna be a special one down at beale street with uh brian haney and they're gonna have some special guests on the show to Get ready for the bowl game. This is the 64th edition of the Liberty Bowl that's starting tomorrow. It is going to take up our entire show tomorrow, so we will not have a show tomorrow. Plenty of KU football talk and KU audio on today's show. We also have no guests today. Normally, on Tuesdays, we talk to Kevin Flaherty and Matt Tate, but uh, figured we'd just give them the time off. I know Kevin's out there just having a good time, and, and Matt's out there covering it for the LJ world, but we might have, I don't know, one or two of them on later in the week, but didn't want to burning them close to Christmas, and, and we got plenty to talk about and plenty of audio we have to get to today. Anyway, uh, we will get to the Chiefs and, and KU basketball coming up later in the show. But this is KU's first bowl game since the 2008 Insight Bowl. That obviously went very well for Kansas. 42-21, to 21, they won that one over Minnesota. Scored on the first play. Never trailed. Never looked back. This is also KU's first Liberty Bowl since 1973, in which they played in the Liberty Bowl against NC State. And that was the game that... Uh, Kansas got screwed on the 
punt return where their player was tripped, fumbled the football, NC State recovered and then never turned back. So you hope that maybe there's some good positive karma coming KU's way in the Liberty Bowl that's going to boost them back the other way. As far as the series goes with Arkansas, hasn't been a lot of series. This is only the third meeting that will have occurred between the two. And the first two came in 1905 and 1906. Kansas won both matchups, so looking to, to stay undefeated against Arkansas. As far as the opponent KU going to be playing, that would be one Arkansas. The Razorbacks come in at 6-6 six and six on the season. They went 3-5 and five in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, very notable opt-outs coming into this game for them. Drew Sanders, who is a projected first-round pick by many sites, if not a second-round pick, really good pass-rushing linebacker, former transfer from Alabama, leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss, sacks. He does everything for a defense that has really struggled this year. He's opting out. Bumper Poole, who is second on the team in tackles, really good inside linebacker, he opted out. Trey Knox, really good tight end, both as a blocker and receiver, opted out. They also had one of their receivers opt out. And Ricky Stromberg, arguably their best offensive lineman. And, I mean, if, if you were to say we're, we're losing one of our linemen to opt out, maybe left tackle would be the number one. You wouldn't want that to happen. If it's not number one or what number two would be is the center position. That's usually the guy who, I mean, it's it's not just the snap exchange, but it's also the guy who usually calls out like the blitzes and, and different things. Um, he, Ricky Stromberg, opted out of the game, and he is rated as, as one of Arkansas's best players overall, let alone their best offensive lineman on Pro Football Focus. Now, offensively, Arkansas has still been a really good offense this season. They rank 26th in total yards in the country. They're scoring about 31 points per game. It is up to 34 points per game in the games that their stud quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, has been available for. Um, Jefferson's a dual threat. He's efficient, too. He is a big guy. He's a power runner. He can throw efficiently. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He only has four interceptions this season compared to over 20 touchdowns. He's just a really good player. It's Raheem Sanders or Rocket Sanders is his nickname that you're going to hear a ton about, though, too. He has over 1,400 rushing yards. He has 10 rushing touchdowns, and he's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. And combined, Sanders and Jefferson have over 1,900 rushing yards. Those two are really going to put you in a bind on the defensive side of the ball. Kansas has obviously struggled stopping the run this season. Now, defensively, Arkansas has been... I mean, overall, they're, they're, they're very two similar teams. You have two teams who are really good on offense. You have a strong dual-threat quarterback. You have a strong running game and two defenses that have left something to be desired. That's the case for Arkansas. They are 123rd in the country in total defense. Kansas offensively is scoring 34 points per game. They've been super balanced, and those numbers even take into account Jalen Daniels being injured. Now, Jason Bean had filled in admirably for Jalen Daniels, but it also accounts for the game that Jalen was a shell of himself against Texas, and I think the point is both these offenses with a healthy quarterback are better than the numbers they're putting up, and they've already put up pretty good numbers. Now, as we mentioned, no Drew Sanders, no bumper pool. Those are two huge losses at linebacker for Arkansas. They have a lot of players, when you look at the two deep, who are inexperienced, who are freshmen, who are redshirt freshmen, some players who maybe weren't part of the two deep a lot of the season who are going to be asked upon to play certain roles. 
not all of those are starters, so they won't be playing the biggest roles, but that could have an impact as well in this game. And a defense that has already struggled, missing two of its better players, doesn't seem to be great for Arkansas on that side of the ball. But also, this is a team that's recruited really well with head coach Sam Pittman. So even though they're going to have a lot of maybe young and experienced players in there, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not good players. They might be very talented. They might just not be experienced. And you give them the three or four weeks off in between the bowl game, maybe their defense is much improved. You could probably say the same about Kansas with their defense. Maybe their defense is much improved too, and they've just become a lot more assignment sound, and they tackle a lot better, and they look more like the the run defense we saw early in the season. Like, remember, Kansas, I mean, they, they didn't hold TCU at bay running the football earlier this season, but they they did a pretty good job against them. And for the first half of the season, we thought Kansas was just a completely overhauled and improved rush defense. But then the Oklahoma game happened, and that led to the Baylor game, and Texas with Bijan Robinson, and Kansas State with Deuce Vaughn, and Texas Tech just kind of a little bit of everybody. And it became a serious problem, and that's going to be the case, you would think, against Arkansas. But, like, again, TCU, just to show you that it is in there, that the potential is there for Kansas to have a good run defense game. TCU's third lowest run rush offense game, 144 rushing yards, was against Kansas. Their other nine games, they had 150 or more. And in six of them, they had 215 or more. Kansas didn't have a dominant game. They still averaged 4.6 yards per carry. They still had 144 rushing yards. But they held them at bay. And yes, you could say, oh, well, you lost to TCU. Okay, but you lost by seven to a team who's playing in the college football playoff and in a game that you fumbled at the goal line and missed a field goal, right? I think you would kind of take what you did against TCU in terms of the run defense in the Arkansas game. I think you absolutely would. So that'll be the key in this one. But certainly both defenses have struggled and and leads you to believe this one should be high scoring, as is the projection from Vegas. For Kansas to win this game, I've got a checklist of a couple things. And it's not that all of them have to happen, but certainly you need at least a couple of them, I would think, or like maybe one of them is just so dominant it takes up for everything else. Number one, Jalen has to look like the guy who who he looked like at the start of the year. He was a Heisman candidate. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I guess it's not was. He is. He just was injured. It's an Arkansas defense that's not very good. Take advantage of it. You know, don't turn one of their weaknesses into something that's no longer a problem for them. Jalen has to look like that guy from early in the season, not just passing the ball, but running the football as well. The biggest development from the Texas game to the Kansas State game from his first to his second game back was that Kansas was running the quarterback. Maybe it wasn't as much as we saw against Houston or West Virginia super early in the season, but he still was running the ball and was willing to take hits. You saw him take a hit at the goal line where he got injured and everybody was freaking out, but it ended up just being like he he got the wind knocked out of him. It has to be that guy from early in the season from both the purposes of how well he plays and in terms of what the KU offense looks like schematically in running that triple option game that makes them so effective and so deadly for the other team. And if he does that, it should be a big game for the Kansas offense. Now, Kansas needs to not get totally ran over on the defensive side of the ball. Just kind of talked about this. It's fine if you give up 150 rushing yards. It's not fine if you give up 300 rushing yards. 
it's not fine if you give up 250 on the ground. I don't know where the line is in between there. Like, you know, if you keep asking, like, is 160 okay? Is 170 okay? Is 180 okay? I don't know where the line is. It just can't be a game where Kansas gets absolutely ran over and cannot stop the run at any point in time. Certainly, there will be some big runs by Arkansas. There will be some 10, 15, 20-yard runs. Certainly, there will be maybe a drive or two where they just run down your throat. It cannot be a consistent thing all game. It cannot be something where we look at the end of the day and they are gashing you each and every drive, and you cannot stop them once running the ball. Hold them under 180 yards. Hold them to 150 rushing yards. If you do that, it comes a lot easier for you to win this game. And if Jalen steps up and your offense plays as well as you think you can against an Arkansas defense that has struggled, that should give you a lot of leeway for what the defense can do, meaning that even if the defense isn't great, if they can just make a couple key plays and don't get dominated in the running game, they can still very easily win this game. I think you have to win the turnover battle or at least come up even here. I don't think this is a game where if you lose the turnover battle, you're going to come out on top. So it at least has to be even. But it would certainly help if you win the turnover battle. And you could say that for each and every game. The teams who win the turnover battle tend to win more games than not. At the very least, you got to be even. Be aggressive on fourth down. Arkansas has a good field goal kicker. Kansas, that has not been settled. Obviously, they just brought in the two transfers. That doesn't help them this game. So going into it, you know, hey, we do not have a good kicking situation. Don't approach it like we're going to settle. You know, it's it's third down and 12. We're just going to run a halfback draw to kick a, a slightly shorter field goal. No. Be aggressive. Go for those big plays on the third and longs or Try to make it fourth and manageable and be aggressive on fourth downs. That's something that was kind of missing a lot at times this season that sometimes KU was too conservative there on those fourth down plays. I'd like to see them be aggressive on those situations. It's a bowl game. Like, you're the underdog. Just, you know, hang them loose. Uh, the next one, if, if we're going to, I guess, just the health, I guess, so to speak, for Kansas, like, how much better do Jalen and Devin Neal and Luke Graham and Lonnie Phelps and players that maybe were nicked up through different points of the year, how much better do they look with more fresh legs behind them? That will certainly be key. Uh, but obviously, Kenny Logan's health has now come into question. He came out of the bus onto the, the hotel with a walking boot. It sounds like KU is kind of optimistic that he's going to play. But whether he does or doesn't, and then if he does... How effective is he? Is he still the same guy we're used to? That'll obviously be for key for KU on the back end, but certainly uh, KU's front seven probably going to be tested a little bit more. A player, I think, who has to play well for Kansas outside of the obvious with the quarterback with Jalen Daniels, Lonnie Phelps. This is a really good offensive line for Arkansas, even without the center. They like to run to the outside a good amount, especially the left side. That means as the defensive end, you have to win at the point of attack. You have to seal and, and contain the edge. But also, KU is going to need somebody to kind of take over as a pass rusher. And when he's been healthy, when he's been at his best, he's really been able to do that so far this season. It's a different animal against Arkansas, who's been really good run blocking and pass blocking. And then you have the added element of not just can you get to the quarterback, it's can you bring him down because K.J. Jefferson is a very large human who's a mobile quarterback. I think you need Lonnie Phelps to get one or two sacks in this game, at the very least one for the defense to be successful enough. And what do I consider being successful enough? We talked about this last week. If you hold them to 31 points and you force two turnovers or you make a couple big plays, I think that's enough for me not to deem it a overall success in terms of the defense played great, 
but compared to what I would expect from this defense versus the Arkansas offense, I would deem that to be a success because I think if you go up 31 points, you get a couple turnovers, the offense should be able to win that game. And that's kind of how I look at this. We'll have the game for you tomorrow, pregame 3 o'clock, kickoff 4.30 right here on KLWN. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we are going to uh, switch gears a little bit and uh, talk Chiefs after their win in Seattle. We didn't have a show yesterday, so we'll recap that game on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. No Nick Springer today here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson flying with you solo. It's our last show before the Liberty Bowl tomorrow, which you can hear here on your home for the Hawks, your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. Uh, real quick before we get into our Chiefs breakdown, KU football made some pickups over the last week between our last show, a couple high school commits inside the state of Kansas, but also the big one, they added a transfer from Minnesota, Austin Booker. He is a lengthy defensive end, seen as high potential, former top 600 recruit, played two seasons at, at Minnesota. He redshirted one, played three games last year, and uh, someone who seemed to kind of break out for them in the spring and then fall camp, but suffered an injury and, and was unable to kind of battle back and, and win a spot in the rotation. I would expect he'll be a rotational player for KU this next season and you know, uh, really going to be possibly losing some on the defensive line. But the defensive end spot, you could bring back Lonnie Phelps and Jeremy Robinson. So he would add some nice depth to that and then potentially be a guy who starts for them once one or two of those players leave after that. Kansas City Chiefs take down the Seattle Seahawks 24-10. to And a game that, you know, it, it was similar, I guess, a bit to the Rams game. Like, you get up big, you never feel like the game is in doubt. Defense kind of dominates in the game. The offense kind of sputters a bit in the second half, but you come up with a easy enough double-digit win where you cover the spread. Like, that was the case for the Rams game as well. I, I think it made me feel a little bit better with where this team is going. Again, it wasn't just a completely dominant blowout performance. Those are really hard to get in the NFL. But after a couple of weeks where you were playing below expectation, you, you still end up covering the spread and, and winning by 14 there. And that is a Seattle team who still is competing for a playoff spot and you know, as much as they kind of have tanked at the end of this season, the offense has still been, you know, top five in DVOA so far this season. And in a lot of metrics, you know, top five or top 10, if you're looking at, at different yards per play and scoring different stats there, that to hold them to 10 points was impressive. Patrick Mahomes' numbers at the end of the game didn't end up looking fantastic. He was efficient, didn't turn the ball over, which was huge in a game like that. And he Talked about it after the game that, yeah, in a game like that where the defense is playing so well, that's that's super important for me to do. Um, but the, the the numbers for him would have looked so much better if the Chiefs didn't have all those drops. I mean, Justin Watson had, what, like two, three 
drops in the game. Give me more Kadarius Tony for Justin Watson. Once McCole Hardman's back, that would obviously move him down a little. I guess Watson just not good in the cold, which is not ideal because the rest of the games the Chiefs play are probably going to be cold. Maybe not the game in Vegas. Um, but overall, strong game again for Mahomes. You had the slow second half for the Chiefs until that touchdown drive in the fourth to kind of put things away. It's funny because when you watch Chiefs games in the second half, a lot of times if the Chiefs are up big, especially if it's against a lesser opponent like this one was, you'll see Andy Reid kind of sit on on the game. Like he won't do as many creative things or aggressive things offensively. He kind of sits on the lead. Maybe doesn't want to give up as much on tape. Maybe it's him not wanting to utilize his good plays in the game should it get closer. I don't know what it is, but that happens a good amount. And that can be frustrating because you can let teams back into the game. I did not think that's what happened against Seattle. I think it was the actually the opposite. And it's funny because you'll get people complaining about that, as as I will, because that, that is frustrating when you let a team back in because you're you know just kind of trying to coast to the finish line. But it was almost the opposite. Kansas or the Chiefs like were not running the football at all. They were trying to almost be too aggressive in that game. And so people are getting mad that, hey, they're not running the football enough, which is funny because it's the complete opposite of what it normally was. So I guess it's just, you know, people like to play the result game, and, and it is what it is. But I do get it. Like, you were, you were actually running the ball pretty well. It was a cold game. You weren't having success passing the ball as much the second half. Guys dropping passes. So uh, kind of stalled on it. But in the end, you, you get that, that touchdown there. Overall, though, just a game about the defense. Probably shouldn't have waited this long to even talk about the defense, but it's just, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Um Great tackling performance. How many times did the Chiefs come up with an open field tackle to prevent a bigger play or to hold it to fourth down or, or to even hold on a fourth down? And it was everybody. You saw big open field tackles from the secondary. You saw it from defense tackles from the linebackers. That was something that this team had struggled with the past few weeks. Like, And the play that sticks out the most, the one against Cincinnati, Jamar Chase catches the screen pass. On the uh, it was like third down and four. If you make a stop, you can possibly get the ball back for Patrick Mahomes with whatever a minute left, something I don't know, uh, to try to win that game in Cincinnati. And Jamar Chase catches the screen. There's like three Chiefs around him, and he ends up getting the first down. That's just kind of one play uh, among many other plays where the Chiefs have missed tackles or kind of been unable to hem a player in. That was nice to see that you had that good tackling performance there. Obviously, you no know, Tyler Lockett certainly helps the Chiefs' defense there. Uh, DK Metcalf had a fine game. I thought Legarius Sneed did pretty good on him overall outside of the really that one deep ball. Just a great game. And Chris Jones was the MVP of that game. He absolutely wrecked that game. He made, I think he had eight quarterback hits, which is just an insane number. But it's not just the QB hits. There, there are plays where he takes up double teams or triple teams. There were plays where he took up a double team and he still got through and he was just not the first one there or or maybe forced a rollout and the quarterback to just throw it away. I mean, unbelievable game from Chris Jones. It, I would love to just see a mashup of all his uh, highlights and, and plays from that game, but it wasn't just him. George Karloftis, and I wonder if we're starting to see George Karloftis break out. He's had four sacks in the past five games. Had that sack and also the... Uh, deflected pass which stopped the fourth down from Geno Smith on on one of the drives early in the game I wonder if we're starting to see him break out which no time would be better than right now for that to happen for for George Karloftis uh and the Chiefs defense uh by the way one other note that I kind of wrote down 
Nice to have a jet sweep weapon back. McCole Hardman still nursing the injury, but Kadarius Toney comes back. Jet sweep touchdown, unbelievably blocked. Great vision by him to kind of weave through. And you see it right there. Like, the Chiefs, without Kadarius Toney and McCole Hardman, have struggled a bit in the red zone. Traditionally, you think of, oh, red zone offense, like, we it's about running the football. The Chiefs have never been that type of team, so you have to find it in other ways. And one way is everybody's stacked into the box to prevent your run or their keen Patrick Mahomes. Okay, boom, we just hit you with the jet sweep. You weren't expecting it around the edge. We get a touchdown. Chiefs have done so well using that jet sweep in the red zone to advance the red zone offense. It was nice to have it back in Kadarius Toney with the big touchdown there. All right, we're going to take another time out here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. When we come back, we've got some audio to get to from KU football players that had a chance to meet with them uh, in the media last week ahead of the game in the Liberty Bowl. We've also got our KU Harvard recap from the basketball side of things. We got bowl games at KU Football Pass. We got to get to our final two today. More audio from the coaches, Lance Leipold, the coordinators, other players, and uh, some more KU football, KU basketball talk later in the show. I'm Derek Johnson flying solo today. This is RCST. You're listening on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Nick Springer out at the uh, Liberty Bowl in Memphis. I hope he has uh, found a hotel that will accept him because of all the water issues going on out there in Memphis. Certainly bring water bottles if you haven't uh, already left yet or if you're driving there right now and you need to stop somewhere because they're having uh, water shortage issues. And certainly some hotels have backed people away, so you should also probably call your hotel and make sure you still have a spot for tonight. Otherwise, you might have to stay outside the city limits. I had a chance to catch up with some of the KU football players ahead of the Liberty Bowl last week. We were saving this for today's show. It was all timely stuff, asking some Christmas questions, asking some football questions, Liberty Bowl and whatnot. Uh, We'll share the rest of this audio later in the show, but we've got about a handful of players that we'll get to here, the first of which would be Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, star cornerback for KU, first team all Big 12. Looking for a, a big game both in run support and in pass coverage here against Arkansas. Here is Nick and uh, other members of the media catching up with Kobe Bryant. You guys obviously had had these practices since you've been here. How much do you think this month will help next year's team when you're a junior? A lot. Just like, say, we being like, we're going to be an SEC team because I know it's, it's coming. Just being an SEC team, just know how it's going to make our program just like we can play anybody. So anybody we play just going to be you ready? And I'm curious for you, like, obviously, Coach Borland talked about getting a lot of the young players reps in the first week or so. Who are some of the young guys that, that caught your attention? B.J. Dilworth caught my attention. He just caught my attention. That's how I was my first year. He just caught my attention. Like, he just learned the process. B.J. going to be a good player. What do you like about what he brings? Uh, talking. Like, when he mess up, he kind of feel he don't like getting caught on. So, that's exactly how I am. He'll like get caught on, so he'll just start screaming at practice. Like, ah, like drill, individual drills, like he'll mess up a drill, like he didn't do the drill right. So he'll be like, I could do better than this. So he just pushes himself, just be good. Yeah, you obviously grew up in SEC country too. What would it mean to get a win over an SEC team? A lot. Just like coming out of high school, I was getting recruited by a lot of high, um, SEC schools, like high, like Arkansas, all that. I was getting recruited. It was just, just a blessing, just a pl- Play on, just play at SEC school. I'm just happy for it because we worked so hard throughout the whole season. So good things coming to us, and it's gonna be good coming out with a bang. 
Arkansas had a lot of players, wide receivers, enter the portal. What do you even go off of? Like, what are you learning about their wide receivers, or what do you see? Uh, I was like, exactly, I was watching film, like, like after we know we were, like, sitting here as a team whole, like, know we are going to play Arkansas. So I got home with my girlfriend, I was like, all right, I'm about to watch film. But boom, I started seeing coach start telling us like all oh, the receivers in the portal and so I'm like, all right, so let me let me go ahead, see who I'm watching, what coming. So now it's easy to watch film. Now I guess I'm just ready. I'm I'm so ready. What excites you most about playing in a bowl game like this? Just getting a, a dub. I want the bang. I want to get a dub bad. Like we deserve it all. With Kenny coming back or announcing his decision to come back, what do you think that brings to the secondary for next season? We need a leader like Kenny. Like as a leader, Kenny just tell us what we do wrong and it help us. Like we need that as a secondary. Earlier in the year, you talked about kind of shocking the world a little bit with KU. I mean, are you, maybe you're not really shocking anybody now that people know you're coming, right? What does that mean for you? I guess to sort of have that prestige of now people know you're, you're coming, people know who you are. Yeah, I just. Like every time I'm on the field, I want to prove a point. Like, like I'm one of the best DBs in the country, so I'm proving a point each and every game. And I'm making, I'm a proof point bowl game. It's coming. It's, I'm, it's just coming. It's coming. I'm proving a point to everybody around the world. I'm one of the best DBs in the country. So, we, I mean, we've seen what you're capable of. Numerous pick sixes. Um, so, what, what more can we expect in this bowl game? I'm gonna give y'all, I'm gonna give y'all more picks. I'm gonna give y'all pick sixes again. <laughs> it's coming. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a lot of big play bowl game. It's coming. So, throughout the course of the season, has was there ever a time where like Kenny took you aside one on one, man to man, and just kind of spoke life into you? Yeah, West Virginia game. Like I would, they would come at me back to back to back. So Kenny put me aside, said big time play, make t- big time play. So he was telling me lock in, Kobe. So I kind of like blacked out because I'm I'm shocked like. K1, Kenny just, he just screamed at me, so I can't take it, like, offensive. So, I guess they tried me that last play, and I pushed out a pick six in uh, in overtime. So, I was like, all right, now I got a down pat now. So, I know this is, like, a serious game now. So, anything goes wrong in the game, just make up and go to the next play and just keep pushing. All right, that was Kobe Bryant ahead of the game. Certainly, Kansas would love for one of those signature Kobe Bryant pick sixes or big plays in the game. Also got to hear from Jalen Daniels, the quarterback for Kansas, ahead of this matchup as he looks for a big game against a Arkansas defense that has certainly struggled so far this season. Here's what Jalen had to say earlier last week. What's it like wearing the Liberty Bowl swag? Feels good. I mean, I was able to, you know, help help the coach be able to choose out which gear we got and, you know, for, for us to be able to get these things right here, the pockets, nice little material right here. Feels good. What's it been like being able to practice? Usually this time of year, you guys are all away doing your own stuff. What's it like to be able to practice together? Yeah, I mean, uh, looking back at some Snapchat memories that just came back, uh, you know, I was back home around this time last year. So uh, to be able to, you know, be able to see that we made that type of progression uh, in only, what, two years now, means a lot. You talked about the impact this can have on future seasons because you get a whole other month of practice, basically. Has that been pretty big for, for you guys in your offense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, to be able to get those extra reps, those extra days of practice, it helps us to be able to get a, a move on to next season uh, for the 2023 year. Um, we got a lot of guys who are, you know, who didn't get a lot of reps during the season this year who are getting reps right now. So, you know, to be able to get a head start on that means a lot for our program in the future. 
Who are some of those young guys that have caught your attention? Uh, we got James Livingston uh, on the O-line. You know, being able to come back from an injury at, uh, from the beginning of the year. You know, he's, he's made nothing but, you know, improvement, strides. Love to be able to see his growth. Uh, we got some DBs on that. Uh, we got Jalen Dye on the other side of the ball. Uh, we got uh, B.J. Dilworth on the other side of the ball making plays, flying around. Like, just love to see those, those young guys being able to move around. What do you think about Andy getting a new uh, contract sticking around extended? <laughs> means a lot for our program, definitely. I mean, you know, we've seen what he's been able to do this year. I mean, he's able to call it up. You know, he knows what situations we're able to be put into as offense. He knows when to call up the certain plays when it needs to be called. And, you know, we're just being, we're got, we're got to be able to uh, go off that. What's your reaction when you see that, when it shows up on Twitter or whatever method you saw? What's your reaction? Yeah, so I didn't see it on Twitter first. I kind of got it from Coach K. Uh, yeah, so um, he basically told me that hope to be able to be with you next year. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Does he keep you abreast of those kind of conversations? Like keep you involved at all? Like tell you, hey, man, don't worry about my status. I'm going to be sticking around. Or Yeah, I mean, we don't really get into stuff like that. I mean, football. Yeah. Just try to stay football. Yeah. I think you said that Daniel also has been involved in some teen activities. It wasn't mean to see Daniel involved again. Yeah, I mean, to be able to see the strides that he's made since his injury, you know, his, his demeanor on wanting to be able to come back as soon as possible, uh, he, he's a hog. We know that. We see what he's able to do with the ball. So, you know, to be able to hopefully see him out that, back out there on, on, at the bowl game, we're going to hopefully see that. Jalen, does he have a good chance to play? Um, we hope to see so. I mean, we're, we're day-to-day with him right now. Um, Really just trying to see how everything goes during the practices, and hopefully we can see him out there in the bowl game. You can talk about kind of the emotional battle you went through throughout that injury. Obviously, you're out for several weeks, and you're working and working and try, trying to get back. What was that like mentally to get through that? Yeah, I mean, um, it was hard on me. I mean, especially starting the season the way we did, and to be able to, I mean, to, to have to go out of a game, you know, in that sixth game of the year when we're five and zero. Um, it was it was definitely hard on me. Um, I feel like. A lot of conversations with God, a lot of conversations with my mom, you know, just being able to try to maintain being that leader no matter, you know, what's going on with me internally. At the end of the day, I have a job to do to come in here every single day and be able to hype those guys up. And uh, that's just what I had to do. We talked to you after you guys learned that it was Arkansas, but what have you learned about Arkansas since you guys started practice? Yeah, I mean, they have the ability to do a lot defensively, you know, especially on that defensive line front. I feel like they have a mixture of Big 12 defenses that we've gone against. They have the ability to go three down. They have the ability to go three safeties high with that star guy in the middle, uh, that four down. I mean, there's a lot of pictures that they have, but, you know, they have a lot of fast guys in that DB unit from the film that I've seen. You got the NIL deal with Wendy's. Do you have a favorite menu item? Um, you know, before I got the wind, before I got the Wendy's deal was five dollar biggie bags, but you know we moved up. We're on Baconators now. <laughs> Big deal. Do you have a favorite Christmas present all time? Uh, favorite Christmas present. Um, <sighs> me and my mom. I mean, me and my dad just got my mom a, a BMW for Christmas. So <laughs> actually, I shouldn't have said that out loud because now she probably <laughs> will know. But <laughs> that that's probably gonna be my all time favorite Christmas gift this year. Love it. And uh, do you have uh, a, a grade that you would give yourself on wrapping presents? Probably a seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Nah. Probably like back in the day, seven and a half. Now probably like an eight and a half. Now. That's a lot better than than I do. I grade myself like three at I don't know maybe a two I'm terrible at wrapping presents but uh fun to hear that from Jalen Daniels and and that's cool that you hear about some of the NIL success stories like buying his mom a car that that's some cool stuff for for Christmas there for Jalen Daniels also got to hear from Jeremy Robinson one of the defensive ends for the KU football team who certainly has had some highlight moments so far this season here's what he had to say do you have a favorite all-time Christmas present that you've either given or received uh 
all time. Well, probably this year. My mom just texted me about it yesterday. I gave her an early Christmas gift. She liked the um, the weighted blanket. She loves it. She texts me about it all the time now. Got to keep warm inside. Uh, is it going to be weird at all spending, you know, kind of the Christmas holiday season playing a bowl game, not necessarily at home with family? Yeah, I think it will be weird a little bit, but, you know, um, Nobody minds once you win the bowl game, so I hope that's 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 how we're envisioning it right now. Uh, what have the last couple of weeks been like? Obviously, finals week, and, and now just kind of getting ready for a game with, without games in between and having all sorts of practices. Is this weird? Do you like it? What, what's kind of- um, I think I like it. You know, especially being the first time we get to train during this period of time. So we get to bring our young cats up and help them work on technique better, get longer, not longer practices, but more reps in those practices. So I think me personally, I think I do like it. It's, 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 a, it's a bigger help for us in the future. What does it mean for the defense that Kenny's coming back next year? Oh, it means a lot. We get to play faster. We have our, our main guy in the backfield helping us out, fit, getting down, running downhill, then and uh, getting to fix. I think he's going to be a very important key for us next season. What are your thoughts on Arkansas and, and their big offensive line? Uh, I think they're pretty good, man. They they have a they play well together, and them being the SEC is only better for us in 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 the matchmakings. Uh, we can handle and prove to uh, prove to ourselves that we can show everybody what we're doing around here. What do you think the biggest improvement from the defense is going to look like in the bowl game? Uh, tackling. That's going to be our biggest improvement. I think we're going to show that we can tackle on first and second down, and once we get them in third down, it's going to be hard for us to stop. And how would you grade on a scale of 1 to 10 your your skills as a present rapper? <sighs> to be honest, I think mine is probably a 2. I'm still looking up on YouTube how to, how to rap presents right now. So, yeah, I think mine is probably like a 2. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm in the same club there with uh, Jeremy Robinson. Devin Neal had an opportunity to speak with Nick and other members of the media. Here's what he had to say ahead of the action tomorrow in Memphis. Excited. I mean, it's something that hasn't been done here in such a long time. And, you know, I've talked about it since, you know, being committed here and being in high school that this is something I wanted to do. And, you know, looking back and seeing that we've gotten here, and we've had plenty of work to do still, but it's just, you know, it's really humbling and I'm really excited. You know, What's it? What's it like to have all this extra time to prepare for this game? <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, you kind of just really don't know what to do with yourself. I mean, we're used to just, you know, fast-paced schedule where, you know, you practice four days and then you travel and then you play. And now that's we've had almost, I think, three weeks off. We're not really off, but, you know, practicing still and not playing a game is interesting. But, you know, you know, digesting, getting your bodies right, you know, practicing, developing, it's all important aspects of our program. You're obviously a Lawrence guy. What does it mean for you personally to have the opportunity to play now in a bowl game for a university that you wanted to play for as, as a young kid, right? Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, it just means everything, you know, just all the hard work and, you know, everyone doubting that this program could change. And, you know, to be a part of that means a lot more, especially being from it. Just looking at Arkansas quickly on film, just what have been some of the standouts on their defense that you've seen? I mean, yeah, I mean, we've obviously seen all the talent they have. You know, a lot of NFL guys that they that have, you know, that did, you know, declare for that draft. And, and you know, they're they're really physical, they're really tough. And you know, we we definitely you know respect those SEC teams, and we know what they're about. So you know, we've got to match their intensity and match their physicality. And you know, I, I'm really confident in our ability to play as well. The fact that they have some guys that are declaring. Or- 
are not going to be playing. Does that really affect your preparation, or how does that affect the preparation, really? No, it doesn't. And, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of uncertainty, you know, with what they might bring out, but it still doesn't change what we're doing. We're still going to call plays the same way, and, you know, we're just going to execute the best of our ability. Just talk about your season as a whole. Obviously, you've kind of been banged up throughout it. The entire running back room has. Everybody's been asked to step up, especially you. Just kind of discuss what this season's been like overall. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess there was a lot of up and downs, you know, but at the, I think we stayed steady for the most part as a group and, you know, just super proud of the effort that we were able to put in and, you know, a lot of people grinding out and stepping up. So it was, it was really a really fun year and it, it was really exciting to see what people were able to do. What does it mean to have the time and the opportunity for Daniel to kind of work his way back? Yeah, I mean, it means a lot, you know, seeing him get back to what he's been doing and doing it well and, you know, just seeing him shine again, you know, it means a lot. And he obviously meant a lot to our running back room as well. Is there a certain maybe appreciation from him that the team did what it needed to do to be eligible for a bowl game so that his season wasn't over? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, you know, I haven't even really talked to him much about that aspect, but, you know, I definitely think he views it as a blessing, you know, being able to use his time to come back and, you know, show what he's able to do. How does this cluster, these three weeks of practice, compare as far as, like, tone, tempo, <laughs> Um, intention, focus yeah. compared to the regular season? Um, this moment or like these three weeks for us have really been about developing and, you know, continue to develop what we need to do. And um, from a fundamental standpoint, you know, really honing in on those small details. Like, you're not necessarily able to do that as much when you have to prepare for an opponent and then play them right away. So when you have that extra time, you know, to heal your body as well and then also, you know, put extra attention on, you know, the fundamentals. It's just really important for us as a program. But also being able to maybe have some rest so that you didn't have to go kind of, full, you know, say the yeah. game was early December. Right. You didn't have to go full throttle into yeah. it. As far as how your body feels, how yeah. would you describe it? You know, I, towards the end of the season, you know, starting to get a lot more carried, starting to get a lot more banged up. So, you know, just spending this extra time getting my body back right and, you know, spending a lot of time in the training room. And, you know, still getting the rest that I need, but still healing up at the same time is really important. That was Devin Neal. Last but not least, had an opportunity to hear from Caleb Sampson, senior defensive tackle for KU. He's got his hands full with this big Arkansas offensive line, although without their starting center, that'll certainly be a help to the Kansas side of the ball. Here is uh, what he had to say ahead of the game. Do you have a favorite all-time Christmas present that you've either given or received? Uh, I remember when we was younger, when the PS3 came out, my grandma had got me and my brothers a PS3, so that was, I'll say that was my favorite Christmas present going on. Best PS3 game. What game did you play the most? Definitely 2K on the PS3. The, the controller you used to have to, like, flip to make a free throw. I thought that was cool, so, yeah, definitely 2K. Right, which 2K player would be your, I don't know, your main player that if, if you had to get a bucket on 2K, you're most confident you're going to score with that guy? LeBron James. Was there, was there a player that I feel like everybody had like a weird player who maybe didn't play a ton in the NBA, but just you were super good with him in 2K? Who would that be for you? Uh, probably Ray Allen. I feel like whenever I put up a three with him, it will go in. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Is it going to be weird at all spending kind of the Christmas holiday season over in Memphis and getting ready for a bowl game as opposed to being with your family? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been weird being here around this time because just because of the past three years I've been here we always been home around this time but you know it's a blessing to have another opportunity to play so I feel like um 
you know, we excited, I'm excited, and hopefully it's a good game. What sticks out to you with the Arkansas offensive line? Just how they all work together as a whole. I feel like they're a good group all around. I feel like they don't have one guy that really stands out more than the other. I just think they all work together good. Have you noticed, like, with the team, whether it was guys who were hurt and not playing or, or playing through injuries, does it, does it just feel like everybody's more fresh now? Definitely, yeah. Just seeing some guys that's been injured throughout the season and back practicing, you know, it feels good to, you know, see everybody everybody together, everybody back out there on the field together. I feel like that's a positive going into the bowl game. And how would you grade 1 through 10 your skills wrapping presence? Uh... A three. I, I don't really wrap presents. I just get the I just get the thing where you put the presents in the the bag. Just man. get the bag with get the, the tissue paper, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. All right. That was Caleb Sampson speaking with the media earlier ahead of the Liberty Bowl. We got more player audio to get to you later in the show. Also, you hear from Lance Leipold, from the coordinators Andy Kotelnicki, Brian Borland. All that ahead. Coming up next, though, we have to backtrack. KU took down Harvard last Thursday. This is our first show since then. We're going to recap the Kansas-Harvard game and then more KU football stuff after that. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We continue on with our Bulls of KU football past. And uh, then we got some more KU football audio to get to you later on throughout the show. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. They're located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. They've got a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio with Venue 1235. Kansas takes down Harvard on Thursday. We didn't have a show on Friday, so this is our first time getting a chance to, to talk about some KU hoops. Just a recap from that, 68-54 to 54, the final it was a game that was played very close. Harvard had the lead for a good bit in the first half, and Kansas goes on that run at the end of the first half. Second half, Harvard just stays at bay, keeps pushing it to within one or two score game, and then in the last handful of minutes, Jalen Wilson kind of takes over and looks like the All-American that we expect him to be, pushes KU to the finish line. They end up winning the game uh, by a much more comfortable score than certainly the game was through most of it. Even Although, even when the game was four, five, six points, it I don't know, were, were you really that worried that Kansas was going to lose the game? It felt like one that, I don't know, kind of, kind of similar to the Southern Utah one, but even that one was a little more in doubt than the Harvard one ended up being. It was just kind of the perfect letdown situation. We talked about that on the day of on Thursday. You have Christmas break that you're looking forward to. You just beat Indiana. You have Big 12 play after that. And here comes 8-4 and four Harvard into Allen Fieldhouse as, as you're looking ahead and wondering about the weather and everything. It was a perfect letdown situation, and it ended up being kind of a letdown game. Even that said, though, it wasn't as much of a letdown game as, as you'd think. The Southern Utah game, I think, was more of a letdown game. You had the Duke win. You were looking ahead to the Bahamas for your next games and, and the next week. And that was a game that Southern Utah, you really allowed them to hang in there because you, you had kind of a, a bad effort game. Like, you didn't 
hustle on on some defensive maybe rotations or stops and kind of got beat off the ball. You had a bunch of like extra possessions that you gave up because you just kind of let them out hustle you for rebounds. This game wasn't that. KU did fine on the glass. KU only had like 10 turnovers. They forced a good amount of turnovers. Harvard didn't have like a great offensive game. Harvard did shoot above their worth from three. They shot like 31-32%, which you know, isn't a great percentage, but they came in shooting 24%, so they shot above that from three. Um, they gave it basically all back on, on their free throw shooting, but overall it was it was actually a pretty okay. I mean, Kansas shot well from two-point range. It was just one thing. It wasn't even, I, I don't even know if it was a letdown game. It was just not shooting three-pointers well. And maybe that was the, the part of the letdown that it affected, but it's also not like Kansas was just chucking up tough contested three-point shots. They were getting some good open looks for some of their players not named Grady Dick, and they just weren't hitting them. Like Jalen went one of six from three, which countered by him going nine of 11 from two. Like guys just weren't kind of hitting open shots for you. That was a risk that Harvard went with, and, and it paid off for them. I'm not sure if that game happens again, if that risk pays off for them, because Kansas, again, got a lot of open threes. And we've seen a lot of times this year where they have shot really well from three. It hasn't just been a Grady Dick thing, even though he has been by far your best shooter and, and really kind of carried the water there. Um, but that's really what it was. Kansas was 4 of 20 from three. You have an average shooting game, because Kansas came into the game shooting 37% on three-point shots. 4 of 20 is 20%. From the three-point line. If they would have gone 7 of 20, 7 of 20 is good for 35%. That still would have been a few points below their average. All of a sudden, you add three extra threes, they win the game by 23. It's a lot different of an outlook. So you it, you can view it as a letdown game. I guess to a certain standpoint it was, and it was closer than you thought for majority of the game. But also, if Harvard shoots to their season average from three and they make one or two less threes, and you shoot closer to your season average from three and you make two to three more threes... It's not even a contest all game long. And at points where it's a five-point game, now it's a 12, now it's a 15-point game, and the score ends at 20-25. So not really anything to be worried about. But overall, if we look at the entire month of December, they win every game by double figures. They finish it off, at least in, in non-conference play. They still have the one game in December against Oklahoma State. But Kansas continued to do a lot of things well that has made them so successful over this month, even though they didn't shoot the ball well from three. Like I said, you shot the ball well from two. You continue to be super good. Uh, I don't know, like elite kind of at, at recovering with garnering steals, with getting blocks. It seems like when you're out of play, sometimes you're really good at being able to, like Dewan Harris is really good at kind of the poke behind on, on getting the steal, which was, you know, some of those plays that, that led to the long run at the end of the first half. You have uh, some of the, the Kevin McCuller plays where it looks like he's out of it, but he gets a block or he gets a steal from behind. K.J. Adams getting a steal from, or, or a block from behind when you think he's out of the play and he's on a bigger center, but he comes from behind and just pins it against the backboard. I mean, this team is so good at recovering with late chaotic defensive plays, and they're just really good in general at getting steals and creating those runouts for them. That's where they had their best success offensively. Again, the half court wasn't great for KU, but if they make some more of those open shots, it, it would have been a lot better. Big-time bounce-back game from Jalen Wilson. He he went 4 of 18 against Indiana. He goes 10 of 17 against Harvard. He really absolutely just took over down the stretch. Had a strong start to the game and then kind of in the middle periods of the game lulled offensively, but yeah, just went into overdrive down the final stretch of the game and that was something Bill Self kind of talked about that 
he really looked like an All-American down that final stretch of the game, and that's exactly what All-Americans do. They close games for you, and they really help you kind of get over the hump in those situations. That's been a theme for him all year long. When you think of him getting Kansas over the hump, really leading up until Grady Dick took over against Duke, like he was kind of hanging him around on the offensive side of the ball. You think back to the Southern Utah game, uh, you think back to like there were some big moments that they needed a bucket and, and he grinded one out against Wisconsin or NC State. He just he comes up with those big buckets for you down the stretch and did it again in the Harvard game as he's really done all year long. So nice to see him bounce back there. Obviously, we've we haven't seen his three point shot look good over the past couple of games. And for a guy that looked like that was much improved for the first, you know, ten games of the season. And that had kind of been a question coming into the year and as well for his pro potential. That's certainly something you're going to be monitoring if it becomes a third or a fourth strike game where he can't shoot the ball well from the outside. But it's still a small sample size. It's just a couple games. He could come out against Oklahoma State and go three of five from three. And then it's not even a conversation about that anymore. Um, More good Bobby Pettiford off the bench which is a positive now as, as he continues to work back from the injury he had and is starting to look a lot more comfortable out there. I thought it was interesting MJ Rice was ahead of Joe Yesifu last game. I thought MJ looked really solid. And uh, I, I think for MJ, it's been a combination of some bad luck and, and maybe not you know vibing totally right with Bill Self that he hasn't earned the, the entrance into the trust tree with Bill Self, needing to fine-tune some of the defensive things, Maybe knowing the playbook a little bit more, uh, running the offense as opposed to just you know shooting it every time like we were seeing early in the season. But clearly the talent is there. And if MJ Rice can show it in practice and really refine those skills and work on those little things, he's going to be a really good player for Kansas. He is, and could be as soon as this year, could be in the next month or so. He hadn't really earned the playing time yet, and we saw a couple of the highlight games, so it's going to come down to more of what he does when we're not watching, when it is some of those practice moments, but I thought he looked pretty good for you coming off the bench, and, and that would be a nice punch for you. And yeah, certainly was interesting. He was ahead of Joe Yesfu in the game, who uh, hasn't done a ton the, the past few games. The part of the bench that was disappointing was he didn't gain any more traction at center and it's not that it was a surprise we've seen this all year long we've seen like Zach Clements be like the only big coming off the bench against Wisconsin and then he like doesn't even play against Tennessee we've seen games where Ernest Uday or Zuby Edgefer have played well off the bench or Cam Martin has shown a flash and then they've not even played the next game or you know not really earned that playing time in the next game and so for Zuby he plays really well against Indiana And in fact, he was still the first center off the bench, but he couldn't capitalize on it, struggles, gets pulled, doesn't really come back in, and no other rhythm is established. They're looking for somebody to pick it up. Nobody has, like, we've seen the flashes where one guy would say, okay, maybe this is his time and he's going to be the backup center now, but we haven't seen anybody be able to do it for a stretch of two, three, or four games. That's what it's going to take to really start to earn more of that you know, trust from Bill Self to where your floor of minutes is higher than you just playing for three minutes. And if you mess something up, you're not going to get more time as opposed to having to play three perfect minutes just to earn the rest of that time. So still no traction at the center position after maybe we were wondering, well, is the Indiana game for Zuby going to be that? Nope. Answer was no. So uh, still 
Certainly a lot of questions at the center position, but KJ has more than solidified the starting spot there. So overall, it's whatever. You win the game. You're 11-1. and You're heading into Big 12 play. Happy with the performance overall. Again, if you shoot the ball well, it's a bigger performance, but kind of a lethargic win in the end. A win's a win. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got more bowl games of KU football past. Got to get to the 2008 Orange Bowl. Coming up next, this is RCST on KLWN. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. We continue on with our bowls of KU football past, and now we get to a uh, really fun one. How about the 2008 Orange Bowl? So, how KU got here, we're also going to do the Insight Bowl at the end of this too, by the way, because we had to stack up two into one. At this point, KU had built up a few bowl appearances under Mark Mangino and then the year before, they went 6-6, six and six, didn't make a bowl game, which we've talked about that a couple times, just weren't enough bowls, but um, we're bowl eligible. And Todd Reesing had kind of emerged at the end of the previous season. Didn't maybe realize he was going to be this good, but the Colorado game was the one that, that he kind of breaks out, and you think that, okay, maybe we got something here. So overall, this is season number six for Mark Mangino. It's the 2007 season. The bowl game was played on January 3rd of 2008. Nick Quartaro had left the program as the offensive coordinator, and KU had brought in Ed Warner, who was previously the offensive line coach and run game coordinator in 2003 and 2004 Kansas, eventually left for Illinois, comes back to Kansas to be the offensive coordinator. Actually a guy who has uh, wanted a crack at the head coaching position the past couple cycles that it's been open for Kansas. Um, and he had unbelievable job as the offensive coordinator for Kansas. So they come into the year off a six-win season. You're bringing a lot back. I remember talking with some people about this because I, I wasn't here locally when it happened, but uh, that they were like, yeah, I mean, the expectations coming into the year were, hey, we could maybe win eight or nine games. The schedule maybe sets up for us that this could be a really fun year, maybe even play for the Big 12 title. It was another level to expect this, and I'm sure there were some people who you know, were, were maybe on board with that, but uh, certainly an unbelievable season. So they start the year out. They host Central Michigan on September 1st, uh, win 52-7. to Then they take down southeastern Louisiana, 62 to nothing. So now they're just rolling at this point. They're 2-0. and Then they get Toledo on a September 15th game. And uh, the year before... Toledo beat KU in double overtime. Kansas, though, had no problems with this one. They went 45-13. to So now they're 3-0. They're rolling pretty much through the season um, to this time in the year. They're still not ranked. And then they have another easy non-conference win over Florida International 55-3. to Here's a fun fact from that one. Florida International head coach at the time when Kansas beat them 55-3, to Mario Cristobal. Former Oregon, now Miami head coach, right? That seems like uh, quite the come up there. So then, now they're re- now they're you know on the precipice of being ranked. They're four and zero, but the real test they have to take on twenty fourth ranked Kansas State. It's in Manhattan, and it's like all right, let's let's see if this team is for real. They win thirty to twenty four. It was KU's first win in Manhattan in 18 years. Aqib Tlaib had the interception with less than two minutes left to seal the deal for a six-point victory. And Kansas ends up coming through on top, which moves them into the rankings. They're now ranked 20th in the country. They beat Baylor, which at the time, Baylor was really bad. They beat them 58-10. to But that can be a sign of a good team, too. It's not just about 
you know, winning the games or beating the good teams. It's about blowing out worse competition. That's what they did there against Baylor. So now they're sitting at 6-0, and headed into the game at Colorado where they're ranked 15th. And this one was a tight one for Kansas. It's only 3-0 at halftime. It is a 13-7 game headed into the fourth quarter. Kansas ends up winning 19-14. I want to say it was 19-7, and Colorado got a late touchdown to make it a little closer than it appeared, but certainly ended up being kind of a close game for Kansas. Kansas ends up moving up to number 10 the following week. They're now, uh, what does that put them, 7-0 on the year, and they go at Texas A&M, which I'm sure for a lot of people this is one of the more memorable games from that season. And it's a tie game at halftime, 0-0 the score. Um Texas A&M came into that game. Javorski Lane was like the the talk of the town, their big running back, and Kansas shut him down. 24 rushing yards for a dude who was just gigantic. And Brandon McAnderson, I, I remember him talking to us about this a few weeks ago. He rushed for 183 yards, his career high, and he took that game personally because all the media talk was about Javorski Lane, and he ended up having a big game. Uh, Kansas moved to 8-0 on the year as they won 19-11 with the 13-point third quarter for them. Then they get in the Nebraska game, which they had just two years prior broken the streak of like 37 straight losses to Nebraska. But this one was the cherry on top. They win 76-39. to The offense couldn't be stopped. It was just an unbelievable performance by the KU offense. Their 48 first half points were the most ever scored against Nebraska in a half, not just by Kansas, but by anyone it was unbelievable, and it was just the second win for Kansas in the last 39 games against Nebraska. Big win. Now they've caught everybody's attention. They're on Sports Illustrated. They're 9-0 and for the first time since 1908. They're moving up into the top five. Now they're appearing on the uh, ABC night game for their road game against Oklahoma State. They win 43-28. to It was uh, Darius Bowman was, was the big receiver for Oklahoma State. And um, Kansas obviously, you know, had their explosive offense and everything. And uh, Kansas just, you know, a solid win for them, 43-28. to Brent Musburger and everything on the call. They're now 10-0 for the first time since 1899. Easy win over Iowa State, 45-7. to And then the unfortunate Missouri game happens where they get down 21 to nothing. They battle back from there. And had that game been another, I don't know, five minutes long, maybe they come out on top. They just built themselves too big of a hole. They end up losing 36-28, to 28, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, they peak at one point and number two in the BCS rankings. Todd Reesing, unbelievable year, 36 total touchdowns, broke like every KU quarterback record. Obviously having loaded receivers or, or guys to throw to helped with Dexton Fields, Marcus Henry, who... I think a lot of people just go, oh, Des Briscoe, Kerry Meyer. It was actually Dexon Fields and Marcus Henry who led those the, the team in receiving. Derek Fine, really good receiving tight end. They had two good running backs with Jake Sharp and Brandon McAnderson to both throw the ball to and run it to. Uh, and they could be a dominant running team at times. Eight games with 200 or more rushing yards for Kansas that year. They had 10 with 167 or more. And, uh, you know, having a good offensive line behind Anthony Collins surely helps. But defensively, KU was really good that year, too. And they forced a ton of turnovers. They forced 35 turnovers that season. The Chiefs and KU this season combined coming into this weekend's game against the Seahawks. I can't remember. I think they forced turnover. I don't remember. Have Had forced 35 combined. 
And that's what Kansas did that season individually. They also had 100 tackles for loss, which is a huge number. Joe Mortensen, James Holt, John Larson, James Clinton, Mike Rivera. And then you had 26 team sacks despite no one having four. Everybody had three and a half or below. Absolute teamwork. I mean, they were just so balanced in the front seven. And then the secondary was great. Akib Talib, as we all know, one of the best players in KU history. Chris Harris, great as a young freshman. Daryl Stuckey and Justin Thornton was was a nice back end to add to it. They were good on special teams too. The 12 wins set a school record. They won their most consecutive games to open the season in school history. And they achieved the school's highest AP ranking of number two. Mangino won like every major coach of the year award. It was Phenomenal season. So they get invited to the Orange Bowl, January 3rd, 2008, number eight Kansas versus number three Virginia Tech. Obviously, it was controversial with KU getting in and over Missouri. Missouri beats Kansas, loses in the Big 12 title game. Missouri's ranked higher than Kansas, yet Kansas gets in. The story goes Lou Perkins was basically on the Orange Bowl rep for like a week, basically being like, we're going to fill the stadium out. We're going to bring our fans down. Uh, you know, we're going to set a great attendance. We're going to promise you all these things. So please invite us. Um, I guess it was a bit controversial too. They got in over West Virginia, but I, I, I remember the Missouri controversy and obviously that lives in lore. I do not remember this part. So apparently two weeks after Kansas's selection, uh, there was a deal that was revealed to put fourth ranked Oklahoma against third ranked Virginia tech, even after the initial bull had been invited out to Kansas. Oklahoma actually initiated the proposal and requested that it face the highest ranked BCS opponent then available, which would have been Virginia Tech, I would assume because they wanted a chance at, you know, possibly winning and and getting like an AP split title or something. Uh, But normally Oklahoma, which ended up happening, won the Big 12, would have played in the Fiesta Bowl because they had the automatic rights to the, the BCS bid for that. But there's a clause in the BCS contract that allowed for commissioners of the BCS to override that bid if the automatically selected team had played in the game the previous year or to create an interesting matchup, which Oklahoma had played in the previous year's Fiesta Bowl, the the loss to Boise State. So they were going to try to execute the clause, go to different bowl games, set up the the premier matchup with Virginia Tech, um, and representatives from the Orange and Fiesta Bowl reportedly actually worked out a deal to swap Oklahoma and Kansas. And Dan Beebe, the commissioner from the Big 12, presented the plan to the BCS committee. So you would have had Kansas versus West Virginia, and you would have had Virginia Tech versus Oklahoma. But the remaining BCS commissioners rejected the request, and Oklahoma lost by 20 to West Virginia. Worked out for Kansas because they ended up getting the, the better win there. This was a very strong Virginia Tech team. They were one spot away. Again, they were ranked third from playing for a BCS title. You had a, kind of a weird two-quarterback system, Terod Taylor and Mike Glennon. Uh, but they were loaded. I mean, they had 15 players who got NFL experience from that team. You had Dwayne Brown, who's longtime offensive lineman. Josh Morgan and Eddie Royal played handfuls of seasons in the NFL at receiver. That's secondary. I mean, KU had a loaded secondary. So did Virginia Tech. Brandon Flowers, longtime pro, former chief. Cam Chancellor, who, I don't know, he might be an NFL Hall of Famer. It was a matchup of the number two scoring offense versus the number two scoring defense. So you had that build up. You had over 74,000 in attendance. KU was going to its third ever Orange Bowl, looking to win its first. The halftime show ended up being ZZ Top, DJ Irie, and some other high school marching bands. How about the payout being $17 million to each conference per school? Uh, Virginia Tech came in favored by three points. The over-under was 50 and a half. Gail Sayers helped win the uh, opening toss for KU, was one of the representatives out there. 
And then Virginia Tech, the first play of the game, it's like, oh, no. Eddie Royal returns the opening kick 59 yards to the Kansas 41. They hit an 11-yard pass. Defense, though, holds strong from there. They come back. They get two sacks. Combined loss of 19 yards, Virginia Tech's forced to punt. Kansas drives down, misses a 44-yard field goal. Then Virginia Tech driving again toward midfield, and then they get the big play. Akeem Tlaib with the 60-yard pick six to get Kansas on the board and start the momentum. They're up 7-0. Virginia Tech begins driving again. James Holt sacks the the Virginia Tech quarterback, and uh, it keeps it 7-0. Then later, Chris Harris gets an interception in the second quarter. Scott Webb knocks through a 32-yard field goal. It's 10-0, and then eventually Todd Racing hits Marcus Henry from 13 yards out later to make it 17-0. So it, it looks like Kansas might run away with this thing. Virginia Tech has the drive before half, though, that they snatch back momentum, score with like a minute left in the half to make it 17-7. Otherwise, Kansas, who knows if they run away with it, how much that brought that momentum. And then the second half, I don't remember this either, it was delayed three minutes due to a power outage from the other like TV broadcast. And after Kansas gets stopped on the opening drive, Virginia Tech has Eddie Royal returning the punt. He laterals it to Justin Harper on kind of a trick play, returns it for a touchdown, and all of a sudden, a 17-0 Kansas lead is 17-14 early in the third quarter. And to that point, as I mentioned, Kansas had been a good special teams all year long, and they had been a letdown to that point. You give up the opening long kick return, you miss a field goal, you give up that punt return for a touchdown, but then they got it figured out. Because after another stalled drive, the Hokies got to the uh, inside the red zone for Kansas. They end up kicking a 25-yard field goal attempt to tie. Joe Mortensen blocks it. So you get a big special teams player there. Then later in the quarter, Kansas facing the 4th and 10 on their own 49. Ball gets snapped to Brandon McAnderson, throws it to Michael Brown. They're going to talk about this on Hawk Talk later tonight here on KLWN at 6. Um, on the very next pass, pass Reesing hits Dexon Fields 28 yards. But here's the part people don't remember. On the first play inside the red zone, Kansas fumbles the ball. Kansas recovers, but they lose four yards. Then they commit a 15-yard personal foul. Um, then they get a 10-yard holding penalty, and they're pushed out of the red zone. Reesing throws a deep ball downfield. It's intercepted by D.J. Parker from Virginia Tech. So even after the, the fake punt, um, Kansas doesn't actually score on that drive. That's That's like long forgotten there. But it did, I guess, at least flip the field and position and, and maybe some momentum there. Justin Thornton gets a big interception in the fourth quarter, returns it to the Hokies' two-yard line. Todd Reesing gets a rushing score just his second of the year, and Kansas is up 24-14 with under 11 left. Kansas could have really put it away. They had a fourth down in Virginia Tech territory on their next offensive drive with under six minutes to go, but they get held up, so Virginia Tech gets it back at their own 22 uh, they take about three minutes off the clock, score a touchdown, comes down to the onside kick, and if Kansas can get the first downs, they do. They win the game 24-21. Aqib Tlaib wins the game MVPs. The aftermath for this, for Kansas, it's their first and lone BCS or New Year's Six Bowl win. Gives them more than Kansas State and Missouri, although uh, the Wildcats have a real chance at it this season. KU also finished the year ranked seventh. It's their highest ranking for the AP poll to finish since 1968. If only there was a 12-team playoff that year. Um, also, just for fun, KU basketball won the title three months later, which uh, certainly added to the fun there. Individually, Aqib Tlaib entered the draft. He goes first round to Tampa Bay. Anthony Collins enters the draft. He goes fourth round to Cincinnati, who just has a crush on KU offensive linemen, Tanner Hawkinson, Hakeem Adeniji, 
and uh, Anthony Collins as well. And then that leads into our next bowl, our final bowl of the 12 bowls of KU Football Pass, the Insight Bowl. So KU coming off that Orange Bowl. Uh, it's year number seven of the Mangino era. They end up, after having kind of a favorable schedule in 2007, they ended up with one of the top ten hardest schedules in the country in 2008. Opening wins, uh, they start the season ranked 14th over Florida International and Louisiana Tech. Then they have that tough loss, a game they probably shouldn't have lost at South Florida. This is a good South Florida team, but 37-34. to Bounce back with wins over Sam Houston State. Close one at Iowa State and against Colorado. So even at then, they're, they're ranked 16th. They're 5-1 on the season. They just had the, the early drop, and it's like, okay, maybe they could play for a Big 12 title. Uh, Desmond Briscoe could not be stopped against Oklahoma, but they couldn't stop them either. It was 45-31, the loss at a really good Oklahoma team, ranked fourth in the country, who ended up playing for the title. Then the loss that I think was probably the most, oh no, this is not last year, because you can excuse the, the first two. Uh, number eight, Texas Tech comes to town, and they lose 63-21. to And that gets Kansas unranked. They wouldn't be ranked again, I believe, till this season. They did beat Kansas State 52-21. to Lost at Nebraska 45-35, lost to fourth-ranked Texas 35-7. They did get that awesome win against Missouri, who was at the time ranked 12th, 40-37 in the snow in Arrowhead. I'm sure for a lot of people who were there, I know my father-in-law was there. He always tells me the fun stories about the game and uh, super great game and the Bob Davis call and everything. And then they uh, get to the Insight Bowl to take on Minnesota and they just blast him. They, they score on the very first play of the game, racing to Desmond Briscoe, never look back, 42-21 to victory. That gave Kansas a four-straight season bowl eligibility streak. Here's to hoping that streak gets broken in 2026. And in hindsight, this was kind of the last hurrah of the Mark Mangino era. Certainly it was a uh, shorter peak than, than you would have thought with the Orange Bowl that you would have thought you know, after that season or in the midst of it, like, oh, we're building something really special here. We're going to go to other seasons where we have double-digit win years or go to many other bowl games. But wasn't as much the case you would have hoped after the Insight Bowl. And uh, obviously that was KU's last bowl appearance till tomorrow, and you'd hope that you're saying the same thing about KU's most recent bowl victory. All right, that is our 12 bowls of KU football passed. Had to wrap up those two kind of pushed together here with the Orange Bowl or the Insight Bowl. And uh, this will be bowl number 13 for Kansas coming up tomorrow in the Liberty Bowl. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some Lance Leipold audio. We'll get to that on the other side after this timeout. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with myself. I'm Derek Johnson. No Nick Springer today on this show. He is uh, out at the Liberty Bowl getting ready to attend and check out how KU does. You can hear that game tomorrow here on your home for the Hawks KLWN with uh, pregame 3 o'clock kickoff at 4.30. You can also hear it on our sister station 105.9 KISS. And, you know, if you're going to be uh, driving home from work, perfect to listen on the radio. Or if you're going to be still at work for a little bit, you can listen on the radio. Or if you're watching the game on TV, you can sync up the radio feed with the TV. You just use the KLWN app or KLWN.com. You pause your TV till they're synced up. If you have a uh, you know, TV that can pause or you're on live TV and you just sync them up. There's also the Varsity app that, that you can do the same thing. So highly recommend doing that. Always makes for a great time listening to the home broadcast with Brian Haney and David Lawrence and Brandon McAnderson. And you can do that here with us on KLWN. Uh, so we're going to get over. We, we had our KU Arkansas preview to, to kind of open up the show here. 
Uh, real quick, wanted to rehash on the KU Harvard stuff as well. Kind of a lethargic win for Kansas. Jalen carries you to the finish line, which has kind of been a nice theme for you in some of those lethargic games. You had the Southern Utah game. Uh, to a certain extent, the, the Duke game, which was also kind of carried by Grady Dick at the end. But he's really been able to push you forward, which is kind of what all Americans do. And now, after that kind of sluggish win over uh, Harvard, KU now enters Big 12 play. So we'll have that game on Saturday against Oklahoma State, their next game, starting Big 12 play here on KLWN. It's just kind of odd to kind of take inventory on this KU basketball team of where they are now. Because if you gauge them versus expectations of where they are to this point versus maybe where you thought they would be before the season started, I think you absolutely would have taken 11-1. and one. If I would have, before the season started, said, hey, Kansas is going to be 11-1 and one through or, or till when they're about to start a Big 12 play. They're going to be ranked top five in both the AP poll and Ken Palm. They're going to have a bunch of blowout wins. They're going to beat Duke. They're going to beat Indiana, some ranked wins. And they're going to blow out your rival Missouri you're just going to have one loss, and it's going to be to a ranked Tennessee team by 14. I think you would take that. In fact, I, I feel very confident you would have taken that before the season. And when you also add in there that coming into the year, a lot of people, including myself, thought that maybe there would be some hurdles and some growing pains early in the season because you had a lot of really young players that could be playing big roles. Grady Dick could be playing 30 minutes a game. No idea who the center would be, but you figured a lot of the freshmen would would get a lot of time there. MJ Rice, you figured, would, would play a big role on this team. And then you still had the growing pains of, well, Kevin McCuller's a new player coming over, and as much as he was a really good player at Texas Tech, we saw Remy Martin be a really good player at Arizona State, and that took time before he figured it out. Now, looking back, when you just look at the playing style of Remy Martin versus the playing style of Kevin McCuller, like what they do well, it was always a more obvious fit that Kevin McCuller was going to have a more seamless transition doing things that Bill Self was asking him to do to get that playing time and trust level up than what Remy Martin did. But there were enough questions there that made you think, hey, there's a lot of talent on this team. Maybe they'll lose a couple games in the non-con. They'll have some struggles and then... They'll turn it on in conference play when some of the young players start to hit their ceiling or start to hit their stride. And I think after the battle for Atlantis, you might have thought that, yeah, that was going to still be the case. You lose to Tennessee, maybe you thought you would have lost one of these December games with some of these young players, and that even in the wins, like the NC State and Wisconsin wins, those were kind of wins of team uh, of a young team that, that was learning to where hey, you know, we're winning the games, but they're not looking as, as great as it could be when we're kind of hitting all cylinders. But now they are hitting all cylinders, and um, it's it's kind of a perfect situation for Kansas because, like I said, you've, you've done everything to hit or exceed expectations at this point in the year, and you still feel like you have a higher ceiling because of guys like MJ Rice and some of your freshman centers that are very talented but haven't clicked just yet to where if it does click – you're going to be really cooking with fire at that point in Big 12 play. But so far, so good for Kansas, even after kind of a sluggish win over Harvard. You just hit more threes in that game. It's whatever. And, and overall, you win every game in December by double figures. Feel like, well, I guess of your non-conference play. Uh, still a game in December left for Oklahoma State. So feel like I could roll in headed into Big 12 play. Uh, KU takes on Arkansas tomorrow, pregame 3 o'clock, kickoff at 4.30 for the Jayhawks and the Razorbacks right here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS. I am fully expecting big games from both Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal. 
The Arkansas defense has really struggled all season long. They've given up some big passing performances. They've given up some big running performances. And there should be a good opportunity. They're in the 120s in total defenses here. Jalen had the Texas game where he just didn't look fully right. There were a few plays, though. And then you had the Kansas State game where the stats didn't they didn't bear out like a phenomenal performance by Jalen. But Kansas State has a really good defense, man. That's one of the, the better defenses in the entire country. That's a team who just won the Big 12. And there were a lot of plays that Jalen made in that game where it did look like traditional Jalen. And even then, the stats weren't totally there. This is a game that I expect him to look like total Jalen because we saw it the last time we saw him. And also, he's had even more time off to get rested, to get healthy, and to kind of get his mojo back. And now you're playing an Arkansas defense that should allow you for, you know, if if Jalen looks back, that could only lead to 200 passing yards and 40 rushing yards against Kansas State. If you look back and, and play like the guy we remember and do it against this Arkansas defense, that could be 250 in the air, 300 in the air. That could be 50 to 100 on the ground. So I expect a very big game from Jalen Daniels, and I think Kansas needs a big game from Jalen Daniels to win the game because I think Arkansas is going to put up a lot of points too. Devin Neal, the last time we saw him coming off a of bye week was against Oklahoma State when he had that unbelievable performance where he had you know like 40 touches and had like 300 yards. He was so good, and now he gets that extra time off. Um to kind of get healthier and, and get more fresh. Doesn't sound like Daniel Highshaw will, will be available for this game, but I would imagine he'll be really good. And also, like, Kai Thomas has been battling injuries all year. Like, maybe he'll look a lot more fresh. He was his bowl games MVP last year when he was at Minnesota playing against West Virginia, so maybe this is a big moment for him to, to kind of break out as well. Tavion Morrison was sick for the Kansas State game. You expect the health to be better there. The receiver room, Luke Grimm, would kind of battling an injury toward the end of the year. You expect that to be better. The KU receivers have been so good this year. Uh, obviously, the tight ends continue to play a, a big role, but really those two guys, Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal, need to have a big performance, and I expect a big performance from both of them. The defensive side of the ball, uh, you hope Kenny Logan's healthy, and with Lonnie Phelps, like that's kind of the big one there. Because uh, we saw him at times maybe not be 100%, and, and maybe it affected his play. Like you think back to the Oklahoma game especially. Arkansas has a really good offensive line. Their best lineman is out, but it's still a really good offensive line. And specifically, they like to run the ball around, along the outside uh, on the left side, and they do it very well. Lonnie Phelps at times is going to be matched up there. You need him to have a big game. You need KU's defensive line to not get washed out in this game and just kind of taken advantage of and – dominated and Lonnie Phelps is your best candidate to not just perform even against their line but to win consistently and kind of have a takeover game and make a few game-changing plays whether it's a strip sack or a big tackle for loss he's the kind of guy that you circle there as maybe being able to have that big game and you need that from him and with him having that time off I I would think he'll uh, look fresh and, and look very good in this game. My biggest worry overall is just the battle of the trenches, specifically when it's Arkansas running the football. That's just kind of been a theme in, in leading about talking about this game. It's a team who has huge physical offense alignment. Kansas has struggled with that so far this season. They're really good at what they do. They have a really good running back. They have a powerful quarterback who struggles. The biggest thing for the KU defense, just hope the D-line doesn't get washed out. Linebackers have to play well, and you have to tackle the football a lot better than we saw over the end of the season. And we shared some player audio for you earlier in the show. We're going to share some more this hour. The The constant theme with a lot of the defensive players 
What's going to look a lot better this game versus when we last saw you? The tackling. And the fact that they've just been able to get healthier and you've had all this time to work back on the fundamentals fundamentals, and work on the tackling, they should be a lot better at it, but it's a lot easier said than done when you're going up against a very physical, talented Arkansas running attack. If you can tackle the ball better, both on K.J. Jefferson, Raheem Sanders, get off blocks on the offensive line, then Kansas should have no problem winning this game. But that is a big if against a team whose strength is just that, and your weakness defensively has been kind of just that. Something we had been talking about with me and Nick over the past couple weeks, if Kansas can just force a couple turnovers, that could be enough for the defense in this game. When you compare it to expectations, when you say Arkansas is a good offense and we have struggled defensively, it's not that giving up 31 points would be constituted as a good game, but if you force 31 points knowing all that and you force two turnovers, I would gladly take that. And if you're saying we gave up 31 points, we forced two turnovers, which should have given our offense better chance to score, I think on average yeah, you get about four and a half points per turnover. So you're getting about nine points there. Can you score 23 other points to win the game? And against an Arkansas defense that has struggled in a game that I expect Jalen and Devin to be healthier and to look really good and to kind of have takeover games, that should be enough. So you hold them to 31 or below, love your chances to win, starts getting in the high 30s into the 40s, things get a little bit more difficult. But either way, should be a really fun back-and-forth game. The over-under in the high 60s, I'm leaning over even despite the fact that If both teams end up just running the ball a ton, it could leak the clock out and the weather could be a little bit cold. I'm still going with the over, even though it is such a high number, but I'm expecting a very fun, exciting game at the very least. And it's just probably going to come down to which defense can can make more of the big plays because both defenses are probably going to give up a lot of big plays and probably going to give up a lot of yards. But Which defense comes up with the big sack? Which defense comes up with the big interception? Which defense comes up with the pick six? If you want to throw special teams in there too, that's fine as well. But that to me is kind of what this is going to come down to. All right, uh, we've got some KU football audio to get to you throughout the rest of the show with Brian Borland, Andy Kotelnicki on the other side, then some more player audio coming up after that. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for joining us today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with you. No Nick Springer today. He is uh, out going to the Liberty Bowl with Kansas and Memphis. So say hi to him if you uh, see him on the streets. I I think he was one of the many who had their hotel canceled, which is uh, very unfortunate for Nick. So I haven't caught back up with him to see what he's uh, kind of up to. So we'll have that game for you tomorrow with pregame at three o'clock kickoff at four 30, I guess, barring it being delayed or canceled because of all the weird stuff that's been going down in Memphis with the lack of water and everything. Uh, but tentatively, we should have that for you tomorrow. That means we'll have no edition of RCST tomorrow because it'll be for the entire uh, part of the show. But we'll be back for you Thursday from 3 to 6. And then Nick will be back with me on Friday from 3 to 6 for another episode of RCST. We've shared for you a bunch of the player audio heading into the Liberty Bowl for Kansas to take on Arkansas tomorrow. We've got a couple more audio clips with different players that we'll share for you, starting right now. Mello Dotson, one of KU's corners, spoke with the media last week. Here's what he had to say. Do you have a favorite Christmas present that you've either given or received all time? Uh, 
I'm not really like into materialistic things, but anything I, I've ever got from somebody, I just always hope to put a smile on their face. So I don't really have a favorite present that I gave to someone, but I just hope that anytime I give something to someone, that it put a smile on their face. Do you have a, a favorite, you know, holiday treat or like I don't know, type of cookie or something like that? Uh, I like. I like red velvet cupcakes. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, how would you grade your skills wrapping presents, one through ten? I, I think I probably tried to wrap a present like one time, and it took me forever to do. So I, I, I just like just giving it to you. I don't like wrapping presents. What are your thoughts on uh, the Arkansas offense and their receivers? Uh, I think they're talented. Uh, I think they lost a couple receivers, but uh, you never know who can step up and, and what's their talent level. So I really just I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can bring. What are the biggest things you individually and as a team on the defense wanted to improve headed into the bowl game? Uh, tackling on the defensive side, tackling, uh, stopping the run. How, how does that over the course of the season, is it tough to practice tackling just week in, week out with injuries and, and stuff in, in short periods of time? Is that easier now during getting ready for the bowl game to practice that? Yeah, it's, it's easier because um, we had a little break. Everybody get back right, get back healthy. So uh, it's, it's easier coming into the bowl game. Do you have a favorite reindeer? I ain't even heard about the rain this since. Man, I don't even know the last. I don't know Rudolph. Rudolph? Yeah. That was Mellow Dotson sharing some of his favorite Christmas, I don't know, gifts and, and everything. Also, uh, had a chance to hear from Kenny Logan Jr. catching up with Nick Springer. Here is what the KU veteran safety had to say. Pretty big to continue your college career. What kind of factors went into it for you? Uh, just thinking about me as a player, uh, thinking about his team, and then just my family. Uh, all of them came into consideration uh, when it was time to make a decision, and I really talked to everybody in all those categories, and I felt like it was the best thing for me to do. And what do you think you were deciding between? Uh, here or going to the uh, NFL. Did you think that you would receive the kind of reception by making this decision that, that you did? Uh, I, of course. Uh, Jayhawk Nation, I mean, they love me and I love them. So when I made the decision, I kind of knew it was going to be like that. But I was definitely excited to see like everyone's reaction, see my teammates' reaction, uh, and just to come back again, honestly. What does it mean just to feel loved and appreciated for what you represent? It definitely feels good just to know that uh, people care about you. People actually uh, care about you as a person, not just an athlete. So it's always a great feeling when you have that and you have people behind you that want to stand with you the whole way. What does it take to put your personal, professional goals on hold for, for a little bit for the greater good of building and sustaining this program? I know in the long run it's gonna help me. I always, I always believe like everything happened for a reason. So I just felt like this is gonna help me in the long run. This is gonna help this program in the long run. So I felt like it was the best decision. Uh, I talked to coach. Coach was excited about it. So it was definitely great. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to uh, close out the season strong and hit the offseason hard. What is three weeks of practice as far as the future of this program? What does it mean? 
Uh, these three weeks are definitely key because you got you had your young guys get some reps in there. It was a lot of development for the older guys just being able to be in bowl season. So it was definitely a great feeling. Uh, we we got to make sure we keep putting our best foot forward every day in practice so we can go out there and play our best. What have you seen on tape from Arkansas? Uh, Arkansas is a great team. They play at a high pace. Uh, they have great skill guys. So we just got to make sure we're in position and uh, we're paying attention to our keys. Who are some of the young guys that have kind of caught your attention during these practices? Coach Borland was just talking about how you guys spent kind of 10 days, a week or so, getting those young guys reps. I would say uh, guys like Caleb Purdy, uh, Landon Nelson, all those guys have been getting reps, taking more reps, so, and, and they've been standing out. Uh, they've been doing everything they could, been flopping around. So it was definitely a lot of those guys. Obviously you didn't get those type of reps, but how much do you think that helps those younger guys to get these types of reps into summer? Uh, it helps with their, uh, the knowledge, the growth of uh, not getting a lot of reps throughout the year. During fall camp was really probably the last time, so getting those guys back out there uh, and getting their feedback where it's definitely great for them. It, it boosts their confidence, and the guys on the sideline that weren't practicing were, were out there encouraging them, trying to help their confidence grow too. This team has a, a lot of guys. This team has a lot of guys coming back on defense and on offense. We have a lot of starters coming back. Did that factor in your decision at all, knowing that you could come back and sort of play with the same group of guys again and, and lead them again next year? Oh, uh, that definitely was on my mind because I knew we pretty much were bringing back the same team, so our chances of increasing and being better next year were, were pretty good. So I was definitely excited to see that. Do you have any maybe personal goals for yourself coming back next year, or is there anything personally you want to try to accomplish in your final year? I want to get us to the Big 12 championship, of course, but I just want to uh, just clean up the little stuff uh, that I uh, kind of messed up or wasn't always clean on this year and just try to continue to grow as a person and a leader for this team. Was there any consulting with coaches about that or was there any discussion with like Lance or Brian Borland or anything like that for you coming back also? Yeah, of course. Uh, they told me uh, their best. They told me their best opinion, uh, which I was always I always wanted uh, to have my uh, head coach, my position coach, tell me their opinion on how they feel about where I'm at and what I should do. So it definitely was great to hear from them. We also got to hear from an offensive player on that side of the ball, one Earl Bostick, who will be playing his last game for Kansas before he tries to head off to the pro ranks after this game. Earl Bostick had a fun conversation previewing the game and, and talking some of his favorite Christmas gifts along with some of the other players. Here is what he had to say. You guys got a couple weeks off practice to rest. Who are some of the younger guys or guys that didn't play as much that caught your attention that people should look for? Oh, man, uh, let's see. Should I put you on the spot? It put me on the spot. Well, I'll say, like, my whole entire, like, backup for the whole line and stuff like that for the second group. Uh, third group, there's, like, uh, development crew, um, like, uh, Joe, uh, like, Joe Azadi. Like, I got to put Joe Azadi out there. Um, uh, Joey Baker, uh, Nolan, um, DK, uh, Dre, all them, like, they actually, like, going and actually, like, still putting, like, fourth effort to, like, you know, with the, like, two weeks uh, they had to, like, develop more, they actually took it uh, to their uh, advantage. Yeah. When you watch Arkansas on film, what stands out to you on their defense? Um... Well, they went down with, like, you know, with all their, like, uh, stuff that's happening over there with uh, coaches and changes and stuff. And then uh, uh, players, like, a little bit players backing out for, like, uh, to, uh, to draft and stuff. It's like uh, we don't, like, truly know where they're going to play. You probably play a four down, three down, because, you know, uh, some of their DBs is uh, missing a lot. Um, missing, like, a, a lot of their back end. Uh, they still got a little bit of their front end. They only lost, like, 42. Uh, the linebacker slash DN, outside linebacker. Um, 
I feel like it probably would be a four-down look uh, if they lose a lot of their D, like not their DBs back in the back end. So I feel like they're gonna play more of like a four-down look if possible. But you have to be prepared for uh, both of them, like three-down and four-down. Earl, how are you doing health-wise right now? I'm doing good health-wise. Yes, sir. I just feel like, like I feel like at least half the games I've seen you go down, have to go out, then you come back in. Uh, it's been a tough season for you. This <laughs> is like it's a little uh, helps. Out. Like you know, I mean, it's can't help it. You know, sometimes it's just like some places. Like I hear like something, I'm like, oh, oh, you know. But it's like um, just get back in it with adrenaline and stuff. So it's just like get me back right. I'm gonna be like good for the uh, game and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so has this these last couple weeks been really helpful for you, just to not have to worry about the grind of practice and all that? Oh uh, yes, sir. I mean, I know Jeremy's dealt with the shoulder. Luke's dealt with the shoulder. What, what exactly have you been dealing with these like, whole season, really? Uh, like being of uh, this along the season is more of a mental game. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying locked, locked in uh, during practice and stuff, and then staying locked in like with film uh, meetings and stuff, because uh, it's like something that we never like been through since I've been here. So it's just more of a mental game of just staying like locked in with everything around. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what gets you to able to you know get right back in the game after you go down hurt? Is it just a mental, just propelling yourself forward that yes, sort of deal? Do you have a favorite Christmas present you've ever received or given? My favorite Christmas gift I ever received will be my, let's say, back in the day, you know, uh, when they had the Xbox 360, you know. Um, I went to go and get it, uh, actually, um, with my dad and my brother, my oldest brother. Uh, we went to go get it, sat around for like, uh, it was a Black Friday. Actually, um, sat around there for like probably three hours in Best Buy. Finally grabbed it, got my like two games that came with it. And I was like, oh, I can go home and play it. They told me no. And I had to sit there for a whole month thinking about the game, watching YouTube, watching the gameplay of it and stuff like that. And then when I finally opened it, that was the first present. Like I would stay, I probably stayed up probably that whole entire night of just like waiting and waiting, like the waiting game, you know. And I finally got it and I didn't hop off that game probably like two days straight. (laughs) How would you grade yourself one through 10 wrapping Christmas presents? Wrapping Christmas presents. See, that's one thing that my mom actually taught me a little bit. So I know a little bit like ins and out of how to fold the uh, wrapping paper, especially on the sides, because you know how you get the side, like get it on top, and you have to fold the sides in. You know, I, I get that down. So like an eight or a nine? I give it a, I give it a, I give it a slight eight point five. Last but not least for our player audio, Dominic Pooney, who has one of the greatest nicknames on this team, the Punisher. Punisher, however you want to say it. The transfer from Central Missouri has been unbelievable all season long. Honorable mention, all Big 12. Thought he could have even earned higher award status than that with the season that he had. He was so good for Kansas this year. And uh, he'll be looking for a big game against Arkansas as well. He caught up with Nick last week at KU Media Availability. Here's what he had to say. Obviously, you've had these extra couple weeks of, of practice. Just what's that been like? What's kind of the environment been like at practice over these past couple weeks? Uh, it's been really good. Um, I think the whole team's actually just glad to get back. You know, we kind of had a week off, but not really a week off, but we still practice. But now we're getting into game prep, so I think everyone's just happy to be back at it. And um, we had a good week of practice this week, and we're just trying to build on it. Has it been kind of tough? You know, during the season, obviously, you practice, 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 and then you immediately go and play the game. Has it been kind of tough maybe having this time where it's like the anticipation of the game, but yeah. still you have to kind of wait it a little bit? Yeah, kind of like fall camp a little bit. You know, you're just practicing, you kind of get like – going against the same guys every time but um 
this feels a little bit different. I mean, like, you earned the right to play this game, so, I mean, everyone's excited to play. What does it just mean for you personally to have the opportunity to play in a bowl game like this? Thank you. Uh, personally, it means a lot. I mean, the fact that I was able to come here in the summer and help the team, like, as much. I just tried to do everything I can to help the team, and um, this was the goal from the beginning, uh, a bowl game. Uh, we just tried to, because... Since like in the past, it just hasn't been what it should have been. So, like, this is big for the city, big for big for Lawrence. So, I mean, I feel really good about it. I love it. You mentioned just getting here over the course of this year. How do you feel like you've grown since your time getting here? Right? I mean, it's been kind of has it been kind of all just a whirlwind, or how do you feel like you've been able to grow over the time of your being here? Uh, I th- it's been really nice, a really smooth transition. I think the coaches do a good job of knowing um, like where you're at. So like they kind of know how to tempo you in and get you in and going. But uh, once you get going, it's just like it's fast from there, so it's smooth. Um, they did a good job with me. Arkansas has some guys on the defensive side that are opting out or not playing. Does that change your mentality or change your preparation at all heading into the game? It doesn't change our mentality. Preparation may be a little bit because you don't know what they could do. I mean, new D coordinator, new players. Um, but for us, the D line is the same. So, I mean, nothing, it really don't change for us up front. What have you seen from that defensive front so far? Uh, we are really just watching film. Um, they're, they're dogs. Like they, they like to get after it. Um, they do a lot of uh, movement, so that's going to be a lot to prepare for. Um, the D-line coach is a good coach. Um, yeah, they just got some dogs on the D-line. So. Central Missouri doesn't do the winter practices, right? There's no bowl practices or anything there, right? No. They, no. Uh, I mean, there are bowl games, but they didn't make one this year. So what's it like then now being able to practice into December? How do you feel like that will help next year's team specifically? Uh, it's a lot better. I mean, um, like the coaches were saying, more practice like kind of like extra spring ball in, like, in a way um, like for development. So like we had two weeks where like it was really just young guys like going at it and getting better. And uh, you can see a lot of improvement, but um, and uh, like recruits, like they can come see practice now, so it's big for everything. Um, I didn't know that. Like I didn't know how much it helps the whole program, but um, it's big. So. You mentioned the young guys getting reps. Who are some of those young defensive tackles that you've gone against that you thought, oh wow, like this guy is gonna be good? Oh, the young D tackles. Uh, you got CT, Caleb, um, Tommy Dunn. Uh, I'm so used to going against like Samson and Sam and all them. Um, yeah, those two guys, and then there's more. I'm just brain farting right now. I'm curious with, with Tommy. What do you think? Because he, so we played about 15 snaps a game this year. What, what do you think about just going up against him? What stands out when you get to go? Uh, I think he's like one, like the most powerful kid on the team. Like Sleeve was, Coach Sleeve was saying that. Um, but yeah, he shows it, and like when you go against him, like he's powerful. I just think he's just still learning some things, like kind of like getting used to it. And um, I mean, that's what everybody. Uh, Every football player has kind of like that step they just got to take, and I think he's taking it right now. So. Who are some of the young offensive linemen that you've liked watching in those practices where you get the rest and you're watching those young guys go? Uh, so my roommate Dre Dorian, mm-hmm. he's doing really good. He's stepping up. Um, Nolan, um, DK, Kobe, Baines, um, and then Joe Krause. Joe Krause, doing, he's stepping up too, so he's doing good. But um, it's good to see all of them going. I mean, they're – I can, you can tell, like, the two weeks they got in the little bowl practice, like, they progressed a lot, so it's good. Here's Kobe Baines. Obviously, you transferred in the summer. Mm-hmm. You transferred, like, in August. Yeah. How much growth have you seen from him since he first showed up to now after he's practices? A lot of growth. I mean, it's it's hard to come here and not buy in immediately. Like, the coaches do a good – like, I was telling him, the coaches do a good job of, like, knowing where you're at. So, I mean, they knew where he was. They knew it was going to be kind of a rough patch coming in late in fall camp. 
so they took their time with him and he's developed really well so have you ever been to memphis before no i haven't been to memphis before i heard a lot of good things about beale street so i think that'll be fun i don't know what we're doing on there but it'll be fun that was uh, all our audio from speaking to different KU football players ahead of the game tomorrow in the Liberty Bowl between Kansas and Arkansas. That'll do it for this edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to you for tuning in. If you missed any of the show, you can check it out on the Best of RCST podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts. No show tomorrow. We got your KU and Arkansas action in the Liberty Bowl pregame at 3 o'clock. Kickoff at 4.30 right here on your original home for the Hawks, KLWN. You can also hear it on our KLWN app or KLWN.com or on our sister station with 105.9 KISS. Have a good rest of your day. Talk to you next on Thursday. Later.